0: to be joined on Football CFB this evening by the Scotland number one, uh, the goalkeeper who has played at the, the last World Cup for Scotland and is also a stalwart of Glasgow City Football Club as well, Lee Alexander, thank you for joining me.
1: No worries, thanks for having me.
0: The first question I've got for you, very straightforward one, what was your football upbringing like and who were your first heroes when you started watching football?
1: Uh, gosh, going back quite a while now. Um, to be honest, all I can really ever remember as being a kid is being outdoors and and wandering around with a football in my hands. Um, from a very very young age, I think even if we're going into like primary one, uh, I was primarily in a, a school and in my age group that it was just twenty seven boys and three girls that that was there. So for me. Um, I pretty much all my friends I went through nursery and kind of playgroup with, they played football. And for me, I just joined in with them. It was something that I enjoyed. My, um, my dad was a football fan. He didn't necessarily play football as much. He was more basketball and my mum was sporty as well. She was netball um, and basketball as well. So I think from there, it was a, a kind of hobby um, based primarily on my surroundings, I would say. Um, and it really started from the playground just a love of the game um, and I've never looked back since really.
0: And in terms of your position as a goalkeeper, were you always a goalkeeper? Did you start out outfield initially?
1: I think it's probably the, the same thing that a lot of goalkeepers probably say in their stories as initially was it the first position that I ever wanted to play? 100% no. <laughs> I <laughs> uh, I always fancied myself as a striker or a midfielder and I, I probably I actually played probably two positions. Um, I played... In goals, I think, I'm trying to think the first time I went in or what I can remember is we were playing seven asides back then. So it must have been maybe about eight or nine. Um And somebody got injured and I got told, right, who's going in? Nobody really wanted to go in. So I was the one that got chucked in. And I had no fear of just flinging myself around and putting my body in front of the ball. And I think from there, I kind of surprised myself. And the manager back then was like, right, that'll stick. Like... Uh, Do you want to to give it a go and and try it again and maybe see if this is your position? And for me, I was still like, oh, no. I I still see myself as I want to be like a footballer. I want to score goals. Like I want to win games and be the hero. Um, So probably up until I was maybe about 13 or so, what I would do actually was um, I would play the first half in goals and then I would play the second half um, outfield. And that was something that um, I really enjoyed doing until as I say, I was probably just starting to go into my teenage years, and from then, I don't know whether it was just at club or through, kind of, not necessarily being forced, but I think having a more of an enjoyment of the position that I was playing in, and probably watching um, more football, and back then, that was probably starting off watching the likes of uh, Peter Schmeichel, and big Rangers fan, watching Stefan Kloss, and from there, I think it was just something within me that thought, you know what, actually, I, I really enjoy this, and and I, I never look back, really. It's something that I still, to this day, absolutely love.
0: And in terms of your teenage years when you were in secondary school, I spoke to Leanne Crichton about this, Rachel Corsi and Christy Murray. And when I was going through secondary school, I'm 25 now, and even when I was going through secondary school, there was still, there was still that sort of toxic attitude, really, towards... Um, sort of girls and, and females that w- wanted to play football which I've said on record on, on previous shows I look back on and I'm I'm really quite ashamed of that attitude that so many people had and that I suppose I myself by being a sort of in with the crowd had at a time as well what was your experience going through high school were you completely welcomed or was that stigma there at all for you I
1: would definitely agree to say that it was there Um if I go back to even in primary school, I was really the only girl that, I was the first girl to play in the school football team, um, and then there was essentially like a local select team that would travel, and um, I was the only girl that was really involved in that up until the latter stages, um, and I always felt it was that point, that was, oh, that's a girl, like what's she doing here, like she she doesn't deserve to be here, like football's a man's game, and um, And even going into secondary, there wasn't really any opportunities for school football. There was a boys football team and it wasn't until I was in, I think it was maybe fourth year that they actually started up a team. And even at that, it was just really fun together. It wasn't anything that was necessarily kind of planned. I think it was just, oh, oh, maybe we actually should do this because there's actually a couple of girls that are now asking. So it wasn't necessarily something that was kind of offered to us. I think it was maybe more, a couple of the girls then starting to say, actually, you know what? Why have we not got this? Um, and you flash forward to now and think how many opportunities and how brilliant it is for young kids grown up now to know that they have all these people to look up to that they can see um, on television, or they can see the likes of Leanne Crichton on, on TV and see that they're they're big big personalities and, and what they've been able to do is they've been able to make a career out of playing football which predominantly when we were younger was always seen as that's not really girly and that's maybe not your place and where you you should really play.
0: It, well we've had this interview arranged for a wee while but we happen to be recording on uh, International Women's Day and I think it's it's something that you've just said there obviously Leanne's really a role model for maybe younger girls wanting to break into the sort, sort of mainstream football media but Yourselves as a Scotland team and and even as a Glasgow City team have really, really broken through that glass ceiling that was there for many years. When you look at the career that you've had, which we will come on to talk about, how proud are you that you've played, I suppose, during the biggest shift in women's football in Scotland? I mean, Laura Montgomery, for instance, I've told this story on a few occasions Talks about when she was playing football for Scotland, it would be hand me downs you would maybe get from the male team. Kits would be too big, etc. Whereas now it's went completely the opposite way, and, and rightly so.
1: Yes, it's it's completely different, and it's it's incredible, and it's the way it should be. Um, it's a shame, really, that it's it's taken this time um, to be able to have, in a sense, a little bit of equality um, when we're talking about kits and things like that for us. It's, in the national team, it's only relatively been the last couple of years that we've even had Women's Cup. Everything was always men's that, for some of our players, you think of Christy Murray, and she's quite small for a, a footballer. The kit was just all one size, essentially, when we were younger. So it drowned her, even in like international things. So for now, even just seeing where we're at now, um, it's, it's huge. Uh, the growth of the game has been incredible, and it's something I'm really proud to be a part of. Um, I've been very fortunate that I was able to go to the the Euros back in 2017 um, and obviously more recently to the World Cup in France um, not too long ago. And I think for that and having, one, having your national team qualify and being able to say that we're good enough to be there. But two, is the biggest thing is to be able to see it and for people on mainstream TV to be able to actually say that you know what that's normal and that that should be something that should be celebrated that we're at this stage now that women's football should be on a par with with men we've still got a little bit further to go in scotland i think with regards to the amount of their time that we probably get but i think having something like a major championship and having the whole country just follow behind and particularly the world cup was just incredible the, the support that was there and just felt like it almost united the country a little bit um it was such a huge occasion but to actually have females um, and role models being able to kind of pave the way I think was was brilliant and hopefully that can inspire a couple of young girls that that can then say you know what that's something that I want to do and that's that's one of my, my hobbies that I now think you, you know what I can actually make it make that my dream job and I look back to when I was younger and it certainly was wasn't probably a dream of mine. It was maybe I was I loved football and to see what would happen, but I would never have thought that I would have had the opportunities that I have had and, and what's now available to, to a lot of these young girls now.
0: It's it's, it's amazing. Absolutely. And, and you hit the nail on the head, in my opinion, when you talked about the development of the league in Scotland. What I hope happens from a personal perspective is that the, the group of players that you had that went to the Euros, that went to the World Cup, if you are one of the major broadcasters, I hope they create a show that's bespoke to women's football in Scotland they shine a light on it and crucially they tap into the expertise that they've got on their own doorstep now they've got two groups of players although some went to both tournaments that have been to the highest stage in, 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 in European and, and then world football so it's not as if they, they could use the excuse that it can't be done because so much of that talent like Leanne Crichton like yourself and others is on their doorstep now
1: yeah, no, it's, it's huge. And, that, and that's what you want to see. You want to be able to turn on the TV and associate women's football with deserving or to be there. Like, they're big personalities. You look at how it's worked down in, in England and you've got Karen Carney's doing BT Sport. You've got Alex Scott. Um, and there's so many others that are Leanne Sanderson. You see them on mainstream TV or you see them on Sky Sports. And they're on and they're, they're, pan, they're panellists. And they're there by right because they're good at what they do. And I think it's something that we've moved in that direction now that we're starting to see more diversity and equality and I think it's long time coming um, but it's it's so nice to actually see that now that people can can turn on the TV and as I say young girls and boys can look and actually say that that should be a norm now is as, um, as what's being broadcast on TV.
0: And in terms of yourself I want to take you back to the start of your club career you started at Hamilton ackies how key were they in your development during those formative years as a goalkeeper?
1: Um. Yeah. I uh, previous to, to Hamilton, I was at my, my local club, East Co. Bride, and I think I was there until I was maybe about fifteen, fourteen, or so. Um. And at that point, I didn't necessarily have any goalkeeping um, experience at all. when it comes to training, um, we were primarily it was volunteers that would take, um, the training sessions. It was once a week. It was more. It was a hobby back then, um, and it wasn't till I moved to Hamilton that it probably changed my outlook. I'd just got into the Scotland 17 squad, and things started to open up. And you thought, actually, there's a lot of things that you can maybe start to do. You can maybe think, oh, I'm actually going to go and play senior football, and I'm in the international setup. I would love to move up into the 19s, and maybe one day I could move up to the the women's A squad. And I think it was maybe at that point in my career where I probably started to take it a little bit more seriously. Um, When you're younger, you you sacrifice a lot, probably at that age. You're kind of in your teenage years where people are going out and doing other things, um, going out and seeing friends at the weekend. We always had games on Sundays. um, And sometimes I would play a Saturday and a Sunday, depending on what age, age level I was at. So it was something that I just loved football and everything I could do to make sure that I could try and get better. That's what I was going to do. And whether that was sitting in on a Friday and Saturday night, that's that's exactly what I did um, to make sure that on a Sunday that I could play as well as I could and make sure that we could try and get a result whoever we were playing. And we were really fortunate at that point. We had a really successful team um, and it really probably built a foundation for me to want to kind of have the hunger for more success and to continue developing as a player.
0: When you talk about the development in your your career, you you joined Glasgow City for the first time in, in 2011. And I always say this to everyone I interview that, Uh, especially in the women's game, that Glasgow City are a team that fascinate me because they remind me of the sort of old school Manchester United under Sir Alex Ferguson domestically, where year upon year they will always be there or thereabouts. And in that first era, you worked with Eddie Walecki-Black, who is a coach that every single person I've spoken to who's worked with them, especially in the women's game, says was absolutely brilliant for their career. How crucial was he and how much did you enjoy that first spell with Glasgow City because it was it was trophy-laden throughout?
1: Yeah, he, he was huge. Um, In terms of the, the kind of tactical side of the game, I, I learned so much under him. He, he really did go into the really small um, factors that would change a game. And I think the education that he gave a lot of us is probably as players when you, you're there... You're maybe in your kind of late teens, early 20s, and you think you kind of know the game, but he he had this style and brand of football that was so new. It was pretty much based on the Barca style, and it was such attractive football. Everybody had to know their their jobs inside out. You pretty much knew as a goalkeeper, you knew what how, what you were to do if you were going to go play centre-back. It was that kind of... It was intense, but we were so good at it, and everybody bought into it, um, and we were so hugely successful at that point as well. It was... It was so fun, um, playing alongside top players. Like I obviously played in front of me was, was Rachel Corsi and Ailish McSorley. You would sometimes have Emma Mitchell at left back. You'd have Sue Lappin in the middle of the park. You'd have Lisa, uh, Lisa Evans, and Jane Ross up top. Like that—that's only a couple of players to say that that was how strong our team was at that point. And and the training environment that was there was was second to none. It was just it was so intense. Um, you would go into games at the end of the night. And we would, a lot of us were at the, the National Academy that was based in Stirling at that point. And if you lost a game at the end of the night at training and somebody else was in the other team, you, you wouldn't hear the end of it. It was as if like you would have fallen out with a person for the next week because you lost a goal. It was uh, it was so competitive, um, but I think it really was the making for a lot of us. Um, and it was obviously a really successful time for, for the
0: club. During that first spell it was four <laughs> consecutive domestic trebles, and and that's something that again, when people talk about men's football, have talked about Celtic in recent years, and it's it's been a, an achievement that's a lot of people say will never be repeated, and it's something that a lot of people sort of you could say dwell on given the sort of current circumstances. But with Glasgow City, you were achieving that sort of achievement six, seven years ago, and when you look back at that now, how proud does it make you? Because as you've just seen with the media coverage in the in, in the men's side, it's something that anyone who watches football at high level says is probably something that's going to be impossible, if not improbable, to repeat.
1: Yeah, I think it, when we were playing at that point, we didn't really think about it. It was almost like every game was done and you had to focus on that next game, whether it was going to be... Champions League game whether it was a Scottish Cup League Cup or it was league it was just every single game once it was finished that was it it was in the past and I think it was just a relentless um, mindset that we had that it was just a constant we have to win like we will win but we have to win we have to do everything in our, our way to make sure that that we're the better team that we score more goals that we keep clean sheets like we don't give anything and and it was definitely a mindset for us it was a mentality of of being so ruthless um and to look back you kind of forget that that we went through that stage of we won absolutely everything we dominated um but when you're kind of in the moment you tend to not think about it because you're just always looking at that old cliche it's the next game it's the next game you're you're constantly trying to make sure that that record's still intact. Um, And I think for us, it was probably a really good thing that we never really dwelled on our success or any failures that we had. It was just always moving on um, and just a continuous thing that a couple of seasons would go go by and it wouldn't be until the, the very end of the season when you would get like a night out that people could actually really kind of celebrate what we actually achieved because, as you say, you would have a cup final and you would have another game coming up probably the next week and it was just all focus was on that next game.
0: As a goalkeeper, a question I'm desperate to ask you is is about a clean sheet because you know with the forward-thinking players that you mentioned earlier, Jane Ross and and so many others, that when they score a goal or they score a hat-trick, it's the the be-all and end-all to them and it means so much for you. What does a clean sheet mean to you when you achieve it?
1: To be honest, it's such a difficult one because I think it can be so difficult. I don't really like the term clean sheet because it's so difficult to say whether your performance had any influence on it sometimes you can have your best games when you're your most quietest because you feel like you've stopped everything in front of you and you feel like you've worked really well as a unit and um, to kind of counteract whatever the other team's doing um, and the another opposite way you can have a game where you're really really busy and you think you've done well but what's to say that somebody doesn't score an own goal or it it's a mistake or something like that and it's something that's totally out with your control and for me I've always been my harshest critic and I still hate to this day any goal that goes in I'm still thinking I could have done better than that because I think as a goalkeeper it's just that way that you think you need to save everything so for us um I think we built ourselves on clean sheets but it was more not ever letting other teams have chances and it was again going back to that kind of mentality and I think for me it's always what can I do to make sure that I can stop this happening or this happening in front of me. So I would say sometimes some of my better games are ones where I've actually barely touched the ball.
0: And when you talk about being your harshest critic, as a goalkeeper, how important is it to have a strong mindset? Because you know the cliche that I'm going to to come out here with. If if Leanne Crichton, for instance, makes a bad pass in the centre of the park, the chances are more often than not it won't lead to a goal. Whereas when you're between the sticks, if you make a mistake more often than not, it does lead to a goal. So how do you deal with those moments? Have you found a way that, that 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 works for you?
1: I think for goalkeepers, it's it's a pressure position and it's it's slightly different. You do play in a team environment and it's a team sport, but within yourself, you're kind of an individual that's trying to anchor everything in front of you. And if you do know that if you do make that mistake, that nine times out of 10, the ball's going to in the back of the net and it's going to be you that's going to have the blame. So... It's something that you learn to deal with. At times when you're younger, you probably put too much pressure on yourself. But I think it's something as you grow older and you get more experience is that you really enjoy that pressure. You kind of take that as a challenge every game and say, right, what can I do to to be the best that I can? What can I do to make sure that I marshal everything that's coming in front and we've got everything covered? And it's probably just having a strong mindset Um, and being switched on and having some of your, your best games without touching the ball it's when you come off. You might not be physically tired. Obviously, players these days are running like twelve k, whereas goalkeepers are probably hitting six, six kilometers. Then it's not it's not a lot, but the intensity is your head after a game. Straight after it, you're so tired because everything is just focusing on the what ifs, and I think that's just how you have to channel everything is making sure that your concentration is there, and um, and you're always. You know, on the pretense that something's going to go wrong and what you're going to do to counteract that so it's, it's kind of a strange one for me a lot of the time it's so mentally draining um but i think it's something that still always excites me and it's always a challenge to know that every game you're going to try and stop somebody from doing something so no it's, it's good on
0: that side the first spell at Glasgow City, as we've mentioned, was, was very successful. Uh, consecutive trebles is something that, that is just unbelievable, When, as we've said, when you consider the, the, the way that the media has sort of looked at that upon in and, and, and the men's game. You go to, to play in Sweden. How did that move come about? And crucially, how did you find that move when you got there? Did, did you find it tough to settle in or did you settle in quite quickly? So it was late
1: 2015, I think. Um, and I had spoken to one of our ex-players that had played over in Sweden, and she had asked that um, the club was potentially going to come in contact, so the club approached me and asked if I wanted to go out um, for a couple of days to see what it was like, and essentially it was a trial basis, so I headed out late. I think it was December time, um, and I thought, you know what, why not? Like It's something that I want to try, um, season's finished, I may as well give it a go so I went out and um, was over for a couple of days and came back and they offered me a contract and it was something that I to be honest I just jumped I jumped that because at that point there wasn't really any inkling that there would be professional football um, in Scotland anytime soon and for me I wanted to make sure that I could try and test myself I felt at that point in time um, I think I was 24 at that point and we'd been successful in Scotland and I thought I'd, Kind of want to challenge myself a little bit more and go out with my my comfort zone um so i moved over there early early january time and the shock to the system even just going there for the weather was ridiculous i'm sure i turned up and the first week was minus 22 it was the strangest conditions that i'd ever been in i didn't understand what was happening i would go a walk to the shops and my hair and my eyelashes would freeze and i'm thinking what have I done? I thought I made the, the wrong decision here. Like, can I cope with it over here? Um, but as soon as I got into the football side, it was really good. Um, the, the league over there is, is different because it's so physical. The, the teams can all almost take points off one another. Um, and for me, I was moving to a team that had just escaped relegation um, that previous season. So I knew that it was going to be a challenge for me and something different that I could kind of jump into um and it was it was a really good year albeit at the end we we ended up getting relegated on the last day of the season and it was it was hard it was a difficult season Um we didn't perform that great but we were always there and thereabouts in games and um, but for me personally it was it was a huge learning curve Um I had so many really good experiences um culturally it was it was incredible I got to go to school and, and learn the language and um, I stayed kind of out in the sticks um, centrally in in Sweden. And for me, that was probably the most difficult bit was kind of growing up, being really close to Glasgow and and going in and out of town and just, I like the buzz of cities and to then move to somewhere which is literally the smallest town. It has another 45 minutes before you reach um, another town. So I think that was probably the biggest Um, thing for me was was actually being away in a small town that I didn't necessarily struggle with but I definitely missed um, parts of home a lot more but overall it was it was a really good experience for me I I learned a lot about um, myself both on and off the pitch but I think it was something that definitely um, developed me as both a player and a person.
0: And in terms of the facilities out in Sweden how did they compare to the facilities in Scotland?
1: Well, obviously with the extreme weather, they have a lot of indoor um, training facilities. So we were predominantly based in there during the off season in the winter. So that obviously helped because it then meant that there was no postponements of training or anything for even as much as the harsh weather is bad over there. You, you have some harsh weather here where you get snow and everything's cancelled. So I certainly learned how to to live like that. Um, but for the actual support that we had for being such a small club, um, it was amazing. We would we would get like eight, nine hundred folk every week at our home games. And it was a real community-based thing, which I really, really enjoyed. I thought it was it was so nice to you would go into the shops um and the squad's picture would be on all of the carry bags at um, the supermarkets and stuff like that. And it was just it was just so different from what we have in Scotland. Um just everybody really getting behind the sport and not really caring whether it was men or women and I think that was the biggest thing it was I felt like it was a lot more inclusive than what I'd previously seen um, back home.
0: And in terms of coming back home was the move to Glasgow City a no-brainer considering the history that you had with the club and obviously the desire to, to continue to progress from the club which, which is something they've always been very very public about which is admirable.
1: Definitely um, I moved back and signed again in 2017, um, and obviously that was in the running before the, the Euros, and it was something that I knew that I had to be back in Scotland um, and hopefully catching the eye of, of Anna at that point to, to say that I was hopefully going to be a part of her plans um, to get to, to be in the international setup. I hadn't really had much of a opportunity before then, um, so I felt that I had to come back home um, to make sure that I was giving myself the best opportunity to be seen. Um, and trying to fight for a, a number one position um, at that point, Jamie uh, was was still there. So for me, it was a challenge to to hopefully break back into the squad um, and make sure that I could challenge to try and get into the international setup.
0: You mentioned the international setup and in Gemma Faye, I mean she, the amount of caps that she got is absolutely incredible, I mean if you, I just always imagine if you put them in one room it would probably fill, fill the whole room what was it like training alongside her and what was it like trying to compete with her at that point when she was so established?
1: Yeah it was it was difficult at times um, because you're obviously waiting for a, an opportunity at times which you don't really know if it's coming and Gemma was so established she did so many caps and was captain and, and was playing well so she deservedly so was was playing Um so for me it was just trying to learn as much as possible and take bits off of, of her game that I feel that I could try and improve mine and and I think I always work best under competition and for me I always need to make sure that I'm, I'm pushing myself I've worked alongside um, a lot of goalkeepers now and and Megan Cunningham as well when I was at, at City and it's, it's such a good thing to have competition. I always think, no matter where you're at, you can't ever be at a kind of level where you think you're comfortable. Um, and for me, I think that was another really good thing for me was to to make sure that I always had that competition um, with Gemma. And um, I was really fortunate that at that point in time, um, I managed to then get my, myself into the international setup.
0: You you get into the international setup, as you say After the Euros, Gemma Gemma retires And the the opportunity for you to stake your claim with the national team is there Just sum up your emotions in that moment Because when you've got a goalkeeper like Gemma That had played literally hundreds of times for her country when, When she retires and moves on How important was it for you then to have that sort of tunnel vision mindset To say, right, this chance is here and I need to take it now?
1: definitely I am it was always a thing for me maybe not when I was younger to think that I would make that level but I think in my early 20s and playing with Glasgow City and what we were doing and and getting a lot of experience at Champions League level it was something again I wanted to challenge myself and I felt that I would be able to do that at international level Um, and I had to wait my time and, and that's totally fair game. I think that's something that's probably standing me in really good stead was to make sure that whenever I was turning up at international um camps, I was making sure that I was doing everything and trying to learn as much as possible and in the hope that one day I would I would get an opportunity. And I'm so thankful that I, I got it in that first camp. And to be honest, I was just so excited um to to hopefully try and, and get a couple of games. And I think if you ask a lot of players, it's it's their biggest dream, it's their biggest aspiration is to play senior level for for your national team and for me it was definitely my most proudest moment um, was getting to to play in that first game when I got my first cap.
0: The first cap comes um, against Hungary and, and as you say it's something that I, you'll never forget. When, when you're walking out there knowing that you've got that number one jersey on for Scotland is that the sort of moment that you just have in your mind and it'll never go away once you've done it?
1: It's almost that kind of thing that you maybe dream of when you're younger at times, or you think there's been hard points in your career where you don't know if if you're good enough or you don't know whether you're going to get the opportunity or how things are going to pan out if you're going to pick up an injury and football maybe not, might not work out. and For it all to kind of come to fruition and to then be walking out, it was just excitement, to be honest, um, and so happy to be a part of the squad and um, so thankful. Um, so, yeah, it's just sheer excitement I, I, I'm so patriotic I absolutely love playing for my country and to be in, in the setup with so many players that I've grown up with as well and played with along the way is you no know, it was it was amazing and it was you no know, it's definitely something that I always really look back on fondly.
0: Before we talk about the the World Cup and getting there and all the the sort of <laughs> attention that comes with the World Cup and what it was like playing in those arenas Domestic success has continued for Glasgow City. New manager this time—it's it's obviously Scott Booth. But the, the Premier League titles have kept coming in, so have the uh, the women's cups in Scotland. I know the League Cup maybe is something that maybe irks the squad just that little bit because you've got so close again to that in recent years as well. But what's it been like working with Scott, and how would you sum up your your second time around so far? It's
1: it's been great to be honest. Um, that's me being back, tracking back. I think that's four seasons, maybe five. Um, but you know, Scott's came in and, and did really well. The the first season he he came in. Um I was still there before I, I went to Sweden and it just fitted in so well with what the club was doing and worked really well alongside Cass and Monte and he's he's been great. Obviously the success has continued and, and we've continued obviously winning the the championships. That's thirteen in a row now, which is incredible to think that a club's been able to do that. But as you say, the kind of the biggest thing that we always look back on, maybe more so over the last couple of years, was not quite getting all of the Cups, um, and I think that was such a huge thing in the 2019 season, was to make sure that we could get a double, um, and going into that last game against Hibs in the Scottish Cup final at, at um Tyne Castle was, was huge, and I think that was almost one of the best games that that we've had, and I think probably one of the proudest ones that we've, that we've all had as a squad together to know that it'd been so long since we'd won um, the Scottish Cup and to, to win it, to win the league as well and to get into the last day of the Champions League, just that was probably the best season um, for me to be a part of. albeit well, we, we didn't win the treble, um, but I think as a season overall to win the Scottish Cup and I suppose the manner of the game as well, it was, we were ahead, we were behind and it went right down to the wire when Clare scored that that goal at the end, so um that was probably the most rewarding um, season with everything. And I think it just showed how much it meant to all the squad, the staff. The, the, it was just huge for him. And, you know, Scott's been brilliant for me as well, coming back in. And I'm fortunate enough to obviously play a lot at Glasgow City since, since returning. Um, but no, it's just, it's all happy memories.
0: And in terms of the Champions League, just somewhat what it's like to play at that level, because some of the teams that you've got in there are just incredible. I mean, a lot of tension now in, in the women's games, you know, is, is based on the WSL and the money that Manchester City and others are putting in. You think of the Leon sides that that have been produced in recent years as well. It's, it's an incredibly high standard when you get to Champions League level.
1: You want to play in those games. You want to test yourself against the best teams, and there's no better place to do it um, than Champions League football. And, it's the biggest priority that we have is making sure that we win the league so that we get champions league because it's so big for the club, obviously in times where we've had huge uh, turnout spectators, obviously in the last year, that's, that's not been able to happen, but there's just something really special about having a home champions league tie. And um, we've had really good memories over the years and excellent results and brilliant campaigns. Um, but it's as close you get to international football and the challenge, everything about it, it's faster. Um, it's more physical. The tactical insight that you need to have for your the team that you're playing against, you need to know absolutely everything because the calibre of players that you're playing against is just another standard. Um, and it's something that, that City definitely pride themselves on is making sure that, that we can keep and continue... Um, to kind of break barriers I suppose in European football because with the the money that we have um, compared to a lot of the other teams we really are quite a bit away um, from them but you know year on year we've managed to do really well I think that last season was 10 consecutive last 32s which is it's incredible to think that a team from Scotland has still been able to do that and it's something that we certainly want to continue it's it's a, a huge thing for us every season and you know what, it's it's why you play for the club because it's to make sure that you get to play Champions League football.
0: The journey under Shelley Kerr with the national team was was incredible. And I want to get your thoughts on, on the game against Jamaica. I work in education and we took two two buses full of primary school kids at the time when I, I worked on a previous job to to Hamden that night. And it was just it was just absolutely fantastic. And I've said this to, to the other girls that have been on as well. I had a few male colleagues there with me who'd never really watched women's football before and maybe had grown up in a time, because they were about 20 years older than me, that, that grew up in a time where they probably wouldn't consider it or give it a chance because of the way that they were brought up or the attitudes that they had. But everybody left that night, that the staff, the kids included, thinking, that was an incredible night of football. The atmosphere, the passion from the crowd, that Aaron Cuthbert's goal was 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 worth being there alone. It was incredible. Just how proud were you being on the pitch in that moment when you saw well over fifteen thousand people packed into into Handon to see you? It was it
1: was incredible. It was one of those kind of moments that you you reflect back on your career, and I'm just so happy to have been a part of it. and um, to get to play at your national stadium as a send off to go to a World Cup. Like that's a sentence that I never ever dreamed of when I was younger. It's definitely not anything that I thought that we would ever be able to achieve when I was a young girl thinking I'd really enjoy kicking a ball about um in, in the playground. So to be able to to go to your national stadium to play um in front of all the people that turned out was it was amazing. Um I had previously been to my my primary school. Uh, I think it was a couple of weeks before it and it wasn't until the end of the game when I noticed that there was a big banner over in the corner and um, it was a section from um, my old primary school and my old high school with my old teachers that all came along and I think it was at that point that you kind of realise how far you've come and it it was just such a nice moment to see so many people out just supporting us and wishing us well when we were, we were obviously going away and of course some of the goals that were scored that night caroline's free kick and and erin's just that's just a standard goal really normally from erin from these days but it was um it was huge um, and i think that was a real kind of shift in the direction of where we want to see ourselves and um, as females and as a national team we want that more and more we want to have more opportunities at, at playing at the national stadium hamdens and it's the home of football. And how amazing it is with the Tartan army, watching the men's games. We want to have that as well. And for us to have that opportunity was was huge. And I think it was a real driving force in us um, and continuing to make sure that we're still successful.
0: You, you go to the tournament and although the, the game against England ultimately ends in defeat, the, the parallel I always draw, and I know it's maybe an unfair comparison, is the, the result in the Euros compared to the World Cup. There was clear progress there for all to see. Um, and just not even just in terms of the scoreline but in terms of how competitive that game was because England with the WSL and and some of the massive clubs down south have invested money into the women's game now they've got so many talented players but but we showed that night that we've got just as many talented players and and on another night we we maybe could have got a draw or even beat them. Yeah I think it was
1: the, the Penalty decision early on really knocked us. Um, I think obviously with VAR, you you have the briefs before the tournament starts saying that these kind of things can happen, but it happened so quickly in the game that it almost took us by surprise because nobody even really realised what had happened. It was just a cross in the box, we'd reacted. And by the time then something comes up on the screen, there's a throw-in in their half, so you're not really thinking about it. Everyone's kind of turning and saying, well, what incident is it? Nobody's really had much of an idea. So I think that probably knocked us a little bit, um, and England really kind of upped the pressure on us for the first half. And obviously, we're we then going into 0 and I think we probably dropped off a little bit too much, and maybe gave them a, a bit too much respect after that first goal. And in second half, we kind of almost played with no fear, and um, we obviously got an opportunity late into the game, and we're pushing for for that equaliser. But I think we all knew going into the game that we could compete. And it was something that we're not afraid to to go to a World Cup and say we're we're not here to make up numbers. We, we look around the squad and say we've got players that are good enough to win us games here. Um, and unfortunately, on the on the night, we didn't quite have enough to get a result. Um, but we certainly um, showed that we can more than compete.
0: The the Japan game was was close as well. But the game I've got to come to with yourself, of course, is, is Argentina. The the comeback that they have is is one thing, but. The penalty, I mean, Gary Lineker, who's obviously got something like 7 million or whatever many Twitter followers it is, he tweeted his outrage, which sort of got it on the agenda, not only just in the UK, but but across the, glo- the globe, really, for, for football fans. Just sum up that moment from your experience, because watching it as a fan, I, I, I'll be honest, I'm still... If I was to watch the club again now, I'm still not over it.
1: Yeah, I... Uh... I've not quite really looked, I've not watched that game back, and I think there'll be a, a long period of time before I ever get to, to watching it. Um, I think the emotions were, were so high on that night of, of, of being so electric. We've been 3 0 up and celebrating to then obviously the crushing blow of, of what happened. And it's really difficult because the VAR was brought in, and there probably wasn't enough time to actually be able to understand really how to go around the new laws. And for a goalkeeper, you're ultimately punished if you, if you now move these days. Um, and yeah, it was it was heartbreaking. It was the hardest moment in football ever. And I think it's something that probably haunts a lot of us until now. Um, speaking about it, it doesn't ever get any easier. Um, but it's certainly the the biggest learning curve that you're ever going to take away from a game is knowing that you've been three a up and and you end up losing the two points to to only get a draw and ultimately we lost our place um to, to go through the group and it was huge it was devastating um definitely the hardest kind of part in, in my career was trying to I wouldn't ever say I've got over it because it's still such a, a big thing and it still seems very raw but I think it was something that I've kind of learned to try and move on from and learn from um and I think for me now, I don't have that fear of a penalty. It's something that was horrible, horrible at the time, especially because of the outcome. Um, but it's changed me and, and how I can view football um, for me personally. And it's just one of those things that you live and learn from some of the hardest things that you, that you get in football. And there's been as a goalkeeper. It's, it's maybe a millimetre or something that's been the dis, the difference in that game. But um, ultimately, when we look back on our performance as a team, we really shouldn't have let the lead slip to that point. Of course, you can see the decision for the penalty, the time they added on, there were so many things about that tournament that VAR probably wasn't really ready for. But in saying that, we can't take away from our performance. Um, we should have been better. Um, but that was the first taste of kind of proper knockout football. Um, obviously, we'd been there at the Euros. We had a lot of players that were there, but for the World Cup to actually be leading quite significantly, it's um, definitely a, a difficult one to take. Um, and I'm sure a lot of us um, still probably won't be over it, um, even, I think, when we retire at that point. Whether I watch that game back or not, I don't know. But it's definitely been the biggest learning curve that I've had through football.
0: Just, just not on that incident in particular, but... On penalties, you've saved some really high profile penalties throughout the years. Now obviously the rule change makes that one difficult, very difficult to take, and, and and understandably so, because again, you've mentioned that millimeters or whatever it was, it was just it was nuts at the time. But how do you prepare for a penalty as a goalkeeper? Do you try and analyse the runner as they're coming up, or is it purely as as they say on millionaire or whatever programme? Is it a 50-50 chance where you say, right. I'm going to my right and we'll see how we go. How, how do you handle and how do you prepare for that situation? To
1: be fair, you can do as much analysis as you want on based on what they've done, probabilities of where they've been before. But that moment, you can do all that and change change your mind in an instant. Um, I just go with my gut instinct. I might think someone's going one way and just at the last second change your mind. It's body position um, and just a feel for it. I think it depends the time of the game as well. It's... There's so many things you're trying to calculate in about a five-second run-up for somebody. So it's, it's difficult. Um, lot, it's a lottery at times with penalties. You can do as much homework as, as you can. Um, sometimes it pays off, sometimes it, it doesn't. But I think I've, I've learned hugely from that experience and it's something I don't fear now. I think probably post-World Cup, it, I struggled with it quite a lot. Um, but I've learned to grow through it. And now I think I've had three penalty shootouts now Um, and it's something that I take as a challenge now to know that I'm confident in myself that I know that I would back myself um, in any of these situations again so definitely a a big a huge huge learning curve that's that stood me well but obviously was just the hardest thing to take at the time.
0: When we look at your career so far um, you've got so many league titles you've got six women's cups you've got uh, scottish women's cups you've got uh four league cups as well i mean it's been an incredible career so far and and you're not you've not even turned 30 yet so what are you hoping to achieve over these next few years because really for someone that's achieved so much you've you still got so much time on your side to achieve even more
1: for me um you just want to keep continuing um it's the winning mentality of knowing that we have to win year on year. We need to win that league. We need to win a cup. We need to get through and progress through the Champions League as far as we can go. Um, the last eight was huge for us um, as a squad. I don't think really anybody ever thought that we were ever going to do it the first time, um, and certainly not the second time when we get drawn against Bromby. So I think for us it's challenging ourselves again to make sure that, that we get through these ties. We were really disappointed that we didn't get through the Sparta-Prague um, tie back in December. We, we felt we were the better team, but we just ultimately didn't perform well enough over the two ties. And that was a real missed opportunity for us. Um, so again, going into this season and finishing off, there's two Champions League spots up for, for Scotland this year. And it's something that Glasgow City has to be a part of. We have to make sure that we do enough to make sure that we get into that kind of qualifying pot to go through, because that's what the club is all about, is playing on the the European stage. Um, And that's something that I want to continue and I want to play there. Um, Devastated that internationally we've not been able to do enough um, in our performances to to get to our Euros. Uh, I think when we look at our squad, we all know that we're more than capable of performing against these teams that that we've ultimately um, lost against. And that's really disappointing to know that we've we've not been able to push it over the line and we've really fallen quite short um, on this occasion. But I think from there, it's going to be a fresh start for us and to know that we're more than capable um, of not just representing Scotland at, at being in major tournaments now, but being able to compete. And I think the, the harsh blow not getting through of that Argentina tie to get out of the group is a huge incentive for us now. Um, we're going to have the the new World Cup qualifying schedule come out soon. And that is definitely the priority, is for us to make sure that we get to another um, major championships with the squad that we have at the moment.
0: It's going to be very interesting to, to see how things go. But as I mentioned, you've achieved so much in your career so far. You've got plenty of years on your side to achieve even more. And I just can't thank you enough for, for coming on this evening. Thank you so much for your time.
1: No, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um thanks, thanks for having me.